continuously without leaders, uh, without, you know, like preachers and, and uh, pastors or whatever leading that movement, but they'd been there continuously over 60 hours praying and spontaneously singing and worshiping in the chapel. And uh, reports now are, are busloads of students from other schools are descending on Asbury Theological Seminary uh, to join in that revival. So that will be really a, a powerful uh, happening uh, there. And, uh, you know, the, that school has, you know, past histories of revivals like this breaking out. I think there was one in the 50s that went on for several days. And uh, just students just hungry and thirsty for God, uh, spending time just largely in prayer, uh, but also in worship and, and uh, together in, uh, in the, their chapel there. So I, I pray that this is something that breaks out across our country. Amen. You know, something that I've observed and uh, even now uh, is that there are seasons of revival. And it, it, if you will, you can liken it to the tide. Uh, when the tide of revival comes in, I mean, it just, it uh, is powerful. It reaches far and wide. And then it seems that it's always followed by a, a season uh, where the tide goes back out. And we wonder what happened to the revival. And uh, as we know uh, very well that, uh, you know, when the tide goes out, it eventually comes back in. And uh, we pray that this is maybe another tide, if you will, a revival that will break out across our country. So uh, pray for that uh, revival to not only continue, but to grow and to spread and, and engulf us as well. Amen. And uh, we see a move of God in our time and in our community. So, uh, you know, if, if you hunger and thirst for the things of God, uh, now is a good time to, uh, to pray that God brings that revival here. Well, uh, we'll get to scriptures in just a moment here, but I want to uh, maybe just kind of preface what I have to say. Um, I've, been, I've been so uh, impressed, and maybe you have as well, uh, about how things that we have read in the Bible that have been prophesied, you know, about the future— uh, even words that Jesus himself said um, that are being fulfilled right now, today. There's no longer any future tense to them. They are present. And uh, the Bible, in, in so many ways, uh, both Old and New Testaments, prophesied about the very days in which you and I are living in. And I, and I believe that strongly. We aren't just kind of like, oh, I wonder when this prophecy is going to be fulfilled. I wonder when this is going to happen. It's happening now. It's happening today. And every day um, we, we see, if you will, different installments of that. And it's kind of interesting, you know, not only, uh, you know, is there negative things in the news. Now, let, let me say this about negative things in the news. What else would you report, okay? Would you turn on a newscast if... The newscaster said, uh, yeah, uh, Paducah, Kentucky today, uh, everything is going great. And uh, in other news, Kenai, Alaska, everything's fine. And uh, in other news, uh, you know, in, in uh, 
you know, uh, Wasilla last. Uh, everything's good. Everything's good. And that's our newscast today. Thanks for tuning in. You know, things are negative on the news for a reason, because they're out of the norm, okay? And that's the thing that draws interest, you know. If it was, if the newscasts were just a series of, you know, oh, everything's fine, nothing bad is happening. In fact, we're going to go live on the street with our reporter, and here's a reporter. What's happening in, uh, in downtown Nowheresville, USA? And the camera pans and see, you can see nothing's happening here. Uh, oh, there's, there's a grandma going to the grocery store. And, uh, you know, there's, there's Boy Scouts helping her across the street. Uh, you know, we would just say, well, of course, right, right. But it's, it's the things that are going wrong that grip our attention. And therefore, the news by its very existence and nature tends to be negative. And I, I think we need to keep that in perspective. Uh, sometimes it does upset us, and I, and I get that. But it's not because, uh, you know, that there's only that to report. I, I think it's probably good to, uh, you know, report good things as well as the negative things. But if you will, uh, a newscast um, with only positive things in it probably wouldn't interest anybody, not for very long anyway. And, uh, and so that's the nature of it. And, uh, and so when we you know, watch the news and we see these things happen, I think the key for us is to be awake and to be aware of what is happening in the world. You know, why watch the news? You know, it's like, okay, we, we see what's happening in Turkey, devastating uh, earthquakes there much loss of life, much devastation of property and buildings. And, uh, it, it helps us to be aware of what's going on so that we can pray. And we can pray for those who are hurting and perishing. We can pray for those who are out there rescuing those who are hurting and perishing. So um, it helps us to stay up on uh, these things that we aren't just passive, uh, untouched observers. We are active in this. And so whatever that is going, what is going on, we can participate through prayer. And, uh, and then perhaps the Lord will even speak to us to contribute in some way. Maybe we even want to go, uh, if it was possible for us, to go and to help in some capacity. Maybe we could contribute in a way so that those who are going uh, will have the resources they need to be there. And so I think it's important that we keep all of that in perspective. We can kind of just be like, oh, the news is so bad. I just turn it off. I'm not listening. Um, but it makes us very uninformed people. And, uh, and it, we miss the opportunity uh, to pray. And I think it's good to keep a bridle on our emotions and, uh, you know, not yell at the TV and all of that. Um, now, you can do all the yelling you want at the Philadelphia Eagles today if you want, but um, just kidding. Just, uh, I, I have no dog in that fight, so <laughs> you can yell at the Chiefs too if you want, but it won't bother me. Um, but I think it's important that, you know, when, when we stay informed and we see what's happening, the days in which we live, these are the days of prophecy. These are the days which the words of Scripture are now upon us, okay? These are the things that uh, should help us open our eyes, stay awake, 
uh, stay tuned in in a spiritual sense, okay? Um, I, I, we've had many discussions this past week uh, on uh, the, the level of spiritual warfare we just sense in general. Uh, I was talking to another uh, leader uh, this week in the Anchorage area, and they just brought it up that they had had a discussion about the level of spiritual warfare that they were sensing and discerning uh, where they are. And uh, just different, uh, some may not use the term spiritual warfare, but many people uh, are just sensing that this is a time that seems like many uh, levels of conflict are going on. And, uh, and, and that's, I think, important for us to take note of. And uh, not that we can just speculate negatively or, or anything like that, but we can pray, we can watch, we can discern, we can be prepared. Um, you know, I've, I've observed <laughs> through my experience uh, that uh, when we think that there's nothing to do or nothing going on, you know, we just think, wow, everything's a piece I've got, I'm all caught up, uh, that there is some process that we are then unaware of that is happening that we wish we would have known about and we could have prevented uh, from happening uh, later. So like when everything's peaceful and calm in my life, I find out later that there were things going on beyond my knowledge. I just didn't know about uh, what they were at the time and they eventually manifest in some sort of difficulty. Let me ex give you an example, okay? Uh, last Sunday, wonderful Sunday, we had missionary Jeff Nelson with us. You folks were generous in your offerings. Uh, we were able to share with him $3,200 that, that you gave uh, in that offering uh, last Sunday. And I just say, praise the Lord. And uh, that God moved on your heart in that way. You know, it was a great day. We are just kind of enjoying the thought of all that transpired and the message that uh, Jeff shared with us, you know, that God can, can use uh, us and our circumstances to accomplish his will. So uh, everybody had kind of uh, left and we were just kind of closing up and then somebody came and said, oh, uh, pastor, uh, did you know that there's a leak in the coat room, in the, in the ceiling? And I'm like, what? <laughs> so we go in there, and sure enough, a, le a, a leak in a place there has never been a leak before in the history of New Life Assembly of God. There's a leak. And, uh, you know, here all this time, you know, that, well, this is great, man, everything's wonderful, everything's working just fine. But there were processes at work, even then, that we didn't know about, that manifest, right, and, and, and then all of a sudden, all that peaceful feeling is over. You know, it's like, oh man, what are we going to do about this? So I, God gave me exactly what to do, and I sent Pastor Scott up on the roof. Okay, um, no, that's not that. That is not true. He went up there by him on his own, on his own. So, <laughs> um, and uh, and was removing some ice up there. But uh, but that's the kind of thing. Sometimes we're lulled into this sort of peaceful feeling. Uh, because we're just unaware of what's going on, and then all of a sudden, you know, disaster manifests, and, and all that time we were feeling so peaceful and calm, these processes were at work, you know, uh, millimeter by millimeter, you know, water was backing up under the shingles of the roof, and 
you know, getting underneath and, and finding a, a weak spot, a place for it to leak, and all of a sudden we have water uh, in the tote room. And, and, you know, those kinds of things are happening to us all the time. The, um, uh, it, let's make a, a, a spiritual application of this thought. Um, the Apostle Paul warned the Thessalonian church, this is 2 Thess Thessalonians 2, 7, it says, that the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. The mystery of lawlessness was already at work. And so even through peaceful times, we have this maybe lack of understanding or knowledge, and that's why we have to be discerning. That's why I think we have to be informed is that these processes are working even as we're standing here. Even, you know, it's like during that whole service last Sunday, that process for that leak to happen was already working. We just didn't know about it. And, and that's the way it is in the spiritual realm. Paul called it out, the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. And sometimes we're just totally aware, well, unaware of this. Jesus himself, uh, using similar language in Matthew 24, 12, he said, and because of lawlessness, uh, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. And so because we don't sense what's going on, we're, we're kind of just taken by this. And uh, the love of many will grow cold is, is what happens. The, those who, and, and what Jesus is talking about here, he's not talking about the world, he's not talking about the unsaved, he's talking about us. He's talking about the church, he's talking about believers, he's talking about Christians. Uh, because of lawlessness increasing all around us, the effect is that the love of the believer and the Christian and the church grows cold. And because we're unaware and these dynamics and these things happen and affect us as well. Um, George Barna, uh, his organization, who does polling and, and all, and specifically uh, regarding the church at large, uh, his report is uh, that one in three, okay, now if you say one in three, you're talking 30%, right? So one in three. One in three Christians, 30%, have discontinued attending church altogether following the pandemic. Across the board, and this is, this is recent numbers, all across the board, 30% or probably more accurately, 33% of all Christians who were attending church regularly, uh, be, and they have to keep defining regularly. Regular church attendance used to be fine, you're here every Sunday, right? Oh yeah, I'm a regular church attendant, I go every Sunday. Do you know what the definition for regular church attendance is now? It's once a month. I'm a regular church attender because I go once a month, and that's regular, okay? So it's not real all apples and apples here. But uh, he says one in three Christians have discontinued attending church altogether post-pandemic. And uh, you know what that sounds like to me is what Jesus said that's happening today, the love of many is going 
cold. So we're living in a time that these words are no longer prophetic. They are fulfilling before our eyes. And I think it's, it's really important. Now, there, uh, the, these processes of lawlessness are right now at work. Uh, as, as Paul warned the Thessalonian believers, that you know the, the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. And, and it's imperative for us that we stay alert and discerning to the things that are happening and, and that we not allow the spirit of this age to permeate our own faith and love for God. And, and when we're unaware of these processes and when we have no spirit discernment, you know, discernment is a gift of the spirit and it operates in every believer. And, uh, and we can have this discernment of what is going on in the spiritual realm around us. And when we have that discernment, when we have that awareness, we can actively resist these, this mystery of lawlessness that permeates our own faith, our own thinking, our own actions. And uh, the, the problem for us is, uh, this is something that I've observed over many years, and uh, this is my own. I, I haven't ever heard a sermon on this or any study or poll or anything like that, but this is my own observation. Problem for us is this strange dynamic that, that we battle all of the time. There is an inverse relationship between our concern about impending problems and our growing lethargy to address it. It's like, yeah, okay, we understand there's a problem, but I really don't feel like messing with it, okay? You know, it's like there's a leak in the coat room, Pastor Brown. I'm like, you know what? I don't want to mess with it. Just walk away. There's this sort of inverse as the problems grow, we get more and more lethargic in addressing. Did anybody hear that story about a Chinese spy balloon this week? Did anybody hear about that? And there was a, a lethargy to do anything about it. They detected it over on the end of the Aleutian chain. And they allowed it in their lethargy to drift across all of Alaska through the Yukon Territory, down across the continental United States before they did anything about it, shot it down over the Atlantic Ocean. What is that? What is that? That is the dynamic I am talking about right here. There is a problem, and we just can't move ourselves to do anything about it. Interesting enough, you know, he said, well, we didn't want to shoot it down because, you know, out there in the Aleutians, there are just so many people uh, and buildings and stuff. We didn't want it to fall on anybody. And, uh, uh, and, and yet, in this past week, they've shot down two more objects uh, floating around on balloons, one in the Aleutians and one in the Yukon Territory. So it seems like there's maybe some... Uh, cover up there um, but I think it's important in the spiritual sense you and I deal with these same kinds of things notice several things that happen uh, as danger grows and the threat of danger increases and the response of people even in scripture okay so here's here's an example Samson and his great 
to reign. Now, Delilah, who he was engaged to, provoked him because there was the mystery of lawlessness at work, okay? Her, her countrymen were pressuring her to find out the secret to Samson's great strength because Samson was defeating the Philistines in battle. And so behind the scenes, they would put pressure on Delilah to find out, ask him questions, make him reveal, you know, come on, put on the, put on the pressure on, on Samson to reveal the secret of his great strength. And as this danger increased, what did we find Samson doing? He's asleep. He's asleep on Delilah's lap. His head is on her lap and, and uh, he can't find, you know, the, the energy until all of a sudden, you know, what is it, two or three times there, they, he, uh, he gives her a false answer and, uh, and then, you know, she declares, you know, Samson, the, the Philistines are upon you. Don't you think something was up by the third time that happened? <laughs> I, would you catch on? It was like, hmm. And yet this lethargy, this sleep would be on Samson until he finally told her the truth. And when he awoke that time, it was too late. Uh, uh, Jesus tells a story of ten virgins, right? Ten virgins that were awaiting the shout of the bridegroom. And... The, you know, the longer they waited, the darker it got, the sleepier they became. And, uh, you know, it's like the, the time frame for the bridegroom was getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And as the shorter it got, they all fell asleep. And then finally, they hear the shout, the bridegroom cometh, and they had all been sleeping. Five were prepared and five were not. And we're not going to tell the whole story here, but um, the point is, is that as, as time grew near, they all fell asleep. Jesus, just hours away from his crucifixion there in the garden, he went there to pray. And as he went to pray, he came back to talk to his disciples. And what were the disciples doing? They were asleep. And twice, twice, Jesus checking on them. And, and as this hour where darkness was, in spiritual darkness, if you will, was descending on them, uh, the sleepier they became. There, there's something to this. I, I don't even know what to call it. And, and my... And my suspicion is that this is already the case, that, that the church in general is largely asleep. And, you know, outside the church, inside the church, is that as this mystery of lawlessness continues to work, and we see signs of it being fulfilled even today, even in our own existence. I don't know about you, you know, but I remember growing up in church and, and my father being pastor and preaching about these things and thinking, hmm. My goodness, when is this going to happen? It's in the future. It's, it's out there in front of us. So, and I, I want to declare today, no, it is today. It is now. And it is important that we have discernment and that we pay attention. Now, I'm going to mention this real quick because I've mentioned it in messages before. Uh, just some friendly advice. Uh, this is what I encourage you to do. Uh, I think the, the important thing is, is that we prepare ourselves. Uh, not every day will be uh, 
pleasant and fine. Um, it's advice I repeat often. It doesn't affect your salvation, but it may affect your comfort level and your ability to help if difficulties befall us. Uh, number one, retire debt. Retire as much debt as you can. If you have debt, I would just encourage you, focus all your energy and your resources in eliminating your debt, okay? Uh, in difficult times, debt is a, is a, a, a burden that uh, will hurt you. Uh, and, and so reduce or eliminate as much debt as you are able to do. Number two, stock your pantry. Uh, be prepared to take care of your needs and be prepared to help others in need. What if we had a turkey-sized earthquake uh, here where we live, you know? Uh, anybody here, 1964 earthquake? No? It can happen. We live in a place where that can happen. And instead of being part of the problem, you know, somebody without food or shelter or, uh, you know, resources, uh, you could be part of the solution. It, you could be somebody with food and water and resources. So stock your pantry. Uh, be prepared to take care of your needs and your family's needs and your neighbors uh, should they need help and uh, should there be some disruption to the regular flow of necessities. And then number three, uh, keep some emergency cash on hand. Um, you know, if the internet goes down and, uh, you know, banks are closed and, you know, you need something that's at the grocery store or whatever, um, cash will still work. And, uh, and so if you do this, the worst that can happen to you is that everything goes well and fine and you will have no debt and you will have a stock pantry and, uh, and you'll have an emergency fund. So that's the worst that can happen to you. So I just recommend uh, it's a good idea to do. So let's, let's get back to this whole thing that the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. There are things going on right now that we don't know about that are advancing, if you will. You know, it's like the, the water sneaking under the shingles and here we are just thinking everything is wonderful and fine. And, uh, and then all of a sudden it's manifest in a problem we have to deal with. And, uh, and Paul writes uh, in Romans 13, uh, verses 11 through 12, he says this, and do this, notice the do, there's, there's an action, that's a verb, adverb, and uh, he says, and do this, knowing the time, so there's some discernment here, we've got to know what time it is, that it is now high time to awake out of sleep. What happens when danger increases? We go to sleep. <laughs> I don't know why that is, but it's crazy. Um, it's the way it happens. Uh, now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Paul uh, says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 6, he says, therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Isn't it interesting, the, the language there? You know, let us not sleep, let us not sleep. It's, not, it's a time to awake, not time to slumber. We must be on guard. We must be awake. And, you know, without 
why, why, does, why does Scripture tell us these things about the days that you and I are living in right now? Why is that to, you know, make the hair on our heads stand up and, you know, we feel fearful and anxious? No, I, absolutely not. That's not why God uh, inspired holy men of old to pen Scripture and to write these things. Is that we can be prepared. We can be prepared. And that we can know what is happening and we can also warn and tell others. And that's what we're doing today. And, uh, you know, today there's a great distraction. You know, the Super Bowl is going to play. And, you know, people are all into that. I, I, was, I was just uh, <laughs> reading about, you know, Phoenix area and Scottsdale, uh, where this game is taking place today, and celebrities are flying in. But they're not staying in hotels. You're not going to run into them in the elevator in the hotel you're staying in down, downtown. Uh, they're staying in, in uh, mansions and luxury uh, homes uh, costing up to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a week. Um, <laughs> you know, lots of distraction going on, and uh, you know, cars and you know, limousines and all that stuff, and you know, so much excitement about the game and and all of that. And I guarantee you that uh, in light of all that distraction and all that fun and all that, the mystery of lawlessness is at work. <laughs> And we need to be not carried away by the distraction. And not that, you know, we just are dour, sour, you know, unhappy, grumpy people. Uh, that, that's, not, that's not the point at all. Is that we are aware of what is going on, you know, beyond our sight. And that we can, you know, live a life uh, that is ready should Jesus come for the church. So uh, what does it take to live a life aware? Well, consistently in the scriptures, when you read about the time in which I believe we are now living in, okay, it's not future tense, it's present tense. Uh, <coughs> the, the conclusion to all of this is very consistent. Uh, I, I one time when I discovered this, I just, I went through every sort of end time scripture that I could find and I'd study it and the conclusion is that we are to live a holy life okay I, I'll, I'll read from second Peter 3 this is kind of a longer passage don't usually read passages this long in a, in a sermon but uh, here we go second Peter chapter 3 and verses 3 through 11 it says knowing this first scoffers will come in the last days and and we can maybe just in our minds, instead of say last days, present days, okay? Knowing this verse, that scoffers will come in the present days that we are living in, walking according to their own lusts, saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willingly forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Okay, here's, here's important stuff for us. But beloved, do not forget one, this one thing, that 
with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise to return, okay, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, the elements will melt with fervent heat, both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, here's, here's the, the punchline for us, since all these things will be dissolved, the, the, the way of life, the existence that we've known, will all be dissolved. What manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness. What's, what's the, the point of, of this? He's, he's saying to live a holy life. So when all of this stuff happens, and which it is now, it's like, okay, wait, you know, the alarm, the alarm went off. Don't, don't hit the snooze button, okay? It's time to, time to awake. Um, the, the point is, is that we live a holy life. Um, and what does it mean to live a holy life? And I think that is to live accor in accordance to the word of God as close as we can. It, uh, living outside of biblical boundaries, you know, there's just, that goes on and on and on. You know, sexuality, uh, you, know, you know, just across the board in churches, I think, uh, the whole sexual boundary thing has largely been erased. People who call themselves Christians, you know, live together before marriage. You know, that's unbiblical. That's not living a holy life. Um, other sympathies towards uh, sexual relationships that God declares, not me, God declares that are out of bounds. But for the believer, this, this is sexual behavior that is out of bounds. And let me just summarize, lest we get bogged down in specifics here. Um, any sexual relationship outside of marriage, a man and a woman, is out of bounds. Okay? It's that simple. doesn't matter who you love, whatever. I know that's a popular thing to say these days. Um, is that if you have a sexual relationship and it's not within the boundaries of marriage, then you're out of bounds, okay? And that's, and that's what uh, scripture speaks to. So, you know, sexuality, drunkenness, you know, careless and coarse communication, arrogance, narcissism is a, is a huge issue, spending foolishly, vanity, all of these things. What does it mean to live a holy life? It means that we, we live a biblical life. We, we live in accordance to the boundaries of scripture, not because Pastor Brown said it, not because, you know, the church is, you know, some big ogre. It's because the word of God declares this is the way. Here's the way, walk in it. Oh, read two more scriptures and then we'll, we need to close here. So Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 13 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that, here we go, denying ungodliness and worldly lust, so we should deny those things, we should live soberly, 
righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Proverbs 2.7, and this is what I think the whole uh, emphasis is, you know, as we live in the present day of biblical prophecy being fulfilled in real time, and this, this is uh, Proverbs 2, 7. This is repeated twice in the book of Proverbs. It's great scripture. It just kind of jumped out at me as I went through the book of Proverbs. It says, he stores up sound wisdom for the upright. So you want to know how to live in times like this? Live a holy life. Get yourself in the word of God. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. You want protection from the Lord? Live a biblical life. Live a life that is pleasing to the Lord. And he will be your shield. So there's protection for those who live a holy life. And so as we close this morning, as we wrap this up, um, I, I, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Uh, it, it is time to wake up out of slumber. Now, it's not like you're going to wake up tomorrow morning and you know, you're going to hear machine gun fire outside your window or, you know, it, it's, it's much more subtle than that. And I think that's part of the, the whole tendency for us to go to sleep and think, you know, that nothing's happening. But when we see, you know, the kinds of things that we are seeing, this changing of morality in America, when we see our own government just lie to us. I, I wish I could, this is not a Republican statement, it's not a Democrat statement, this is just a, they just lie, lie to us. Um, we're, we're living in dangerous times. It's time to wake up. It's time to live wisely. And as we live a holy life, God is our shield. He's our protector. But we got to do it his way. We can't just say, well, that's the part I don't like or that's the part I don't believe in. No, no, no. We embrace it all. And we conform our lives as close to that standard as we possibly can. And I want to pray for you today. Would, would you stand pray? Heavenly Father, we bow our heads today and conclude this thought this morning that, Lord, we live in the days of fulfilled Scripture. Each and every day shows us that prophecy is now. And Lord, I pray this, is that dynamic of wanting to ignore it because the news is always bad. Lord, it would, it would wake us up. And Lord, not to just talk about how angry it makes us or anything of that nature, but that we be discerning of the day and time in which we live. And we'd wake out of slumber and we would live holy lives and walk in the protection that comes to, with those who know Jesus. And so Lord, I pray, help our lives to conform to holiness, to what your word declares for us. And Lord, we not be beguiled by the spirit of this age, but, Lord, we would cling to the truth of the word of God. And, Lord, it would serve us 
days in which we live. And Lord, I pray if there's anything fearful here, Lord, that you would quench the spirit of fear. For you haven't given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. And Lord, that we would walk in that authority and not in the authority of fear. And Lord, we would do wisely and we would uh, live soberly and we would, Lord, uh, look for your coming each and every day. And we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen.